Hey everyone, I'm Bobby Sylvester, and we've got our week one DFS episode for you today. But first, I want to remind you all about the signed David Johnson jersey contest we have going on right now, thanks to pristineauction.com. All you have to do is subscribe and review us on iTunes, then take a screenshot and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. I saw a Floyd Mayweather signed championship belt on there today. They always have all kinds of other great stuff from signed football helmets, signed basketball jerseys. They auction off over 100 items there every day. It's extremely easy to use. So check out what pristineauction.com has for you and make sure to let them know Fantasy Pros sent you. That way we can keep doing these contests. All right, let's talk some football. Back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. Tags Week One DFS, baby. I've really been looking forward to this. Oh, 100%. I know we had the Week One show yesterday and it was it was fun, man. It really was. But DFS yeah. is where we get to talk about some players that we might not talk about and anything else just because, you know, so there's some guys that are they're extreme values. Uh, I'm, I, I tend to be a better cash game player. So I, if you're if you guys are listening and you're not sure, you know, what that is, like, let's say you're just getting into DFS cash games are when you basically if you beat half the crowd, like if you, as long as you're in the top half, you're going to you're going to double your money, essentially. Yep. Uh, where is tournament or GPP is like you're trying to win a whole bunch of money. So uh, it's going to be interesting to have the differing point of views because I'm always the play it safe kind of guy where okay. I, I'm, I, have a, I have a feeling our guest today is going to uh, he's going to go out on a limb more than I will sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Um, uh, you know, by the way, if you guys are listening and you haven't even heard of DFS, it's catching the fantasy football world by storm. So I'm pretty sure you have, but I'm sure there's some people who haven't. It means daily fantasy sports. Rather than drafting a season-long team, you draft a team each week. So if you fail or whatever, you can just come back and do it next week. Don't have to worry about injuries, and it's a lot of fun to build a team with a budget. Uh, Anyway, our guest today is Doug Norrie of DFSR.com. Doug, thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be back on the podcast talking some FanDuel and DraftKings stuff this week. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so what we're going to do today, we're just going to move position by position, uh, talk about the players on FanDuel, talk about them on DraftKings, what their price points are, who we like in cash games, who we like in GPP. We're just going to start at quarterback. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about, my model shows that everyone is going to be on Marcus Mariota, Russell Wilson, and Carson Palmer this week for cash games. Is this your choice tags or is it somebody else that you like? Palmer's my favorite. Yeah, for okay. sure. I mean, Mariota and Wilson, Mariota first off, let's start there. Uh, he is, the, the concern with him is that he still has to get some chemistry with his wide receivers, right? And on top of that, his top two receiving options and Corey Davis and Eric De- Eric Decker are both nicked up. They've missed a lot of practice time. They haven't played yeah. a lot together. So I'm concerned with some chemistry issues there. Russell Wilson is obviously on the road against uh, a Green Bay team that he didn't play extremely well against last year. Uh, for whatever reason, Russell Wilson always starts the year slow. I went right. back and looked at it throughout this five years of his career so far. He has never topped 18 fantasy points in a week one game. So that's the concern there. But Carson Palmer is 100% my go-to play. He's only 6,000 on DraftKings. That's typically where I play. Um, his matchup with the Lions, they allowed seven quarterbacks last year to score 22 or more fantasy points, and that was without any bonuses because you typically get like a 300-yard bonus on a site like DraftKings. So uh, six quarterbacks top the 300-yard barrier. There are so many reasons to like them. They're starting a, you know, we talked about it on yesterday's show, Gerard Davis. They're starting a middle linebacker, a rookie. Granted, he's, he could be a solid player, but losing DeAndre Levy is, is, is massive. And on top of that, like the biggest thing I want to say about Palmer here is that we never know when his entire roster is going to be healthy. When it comes to his offensive line, there's some aging players there. When it comes to Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown has been practicing the last two weeks. Jerron Brown's on the field. You know, his team is healthy. So it's hard for me. And you don't even have to worry about weather. This game is in Detroit. It's inside of a dome that plays well into someone like John Brown, you know, who can burn guys down the field. So Carson Palmer is my favorite cash game quarterback. And honestly, I think you can make the case that he could be used in tournaments, too. So Doug, what do you think? Is Carson Palmer your guy or is it somebody else for you? No, I think I'm I'm a little I'm divergent from I think some of the thinking. I'm actually our system's all okay. over Aaron Rodgers this week. Um and I know Me too. and I think that I'm I'm wondering if I do think his his ownership will be um 
a little higher than, I think it'll be higher actually than Palmer's. It'll be close on Wilson and Mariota. And I agree that about Mariota maybe kicking some of the rust off coming back from the injury. The thing I love about Rodgers, and I know that he's facing a Seattle defense that, you know, it, there's kind of conflicting ideas about where they stand sort of like on their on their arc of where they, you know, were elite and whether they're still yeah. there or not. Uh, Vegas sure likes Rodgers here. They have, I think Green Bay has this, either the highest or second highest implied total. And what I love about Rodgers is if you look back at 2016, last season, his coefficient of variation, so that's like CV, it's basically your standard deviation divided by um, your average points per game. It's basically a way to look at uh, safety on a given week, like how consistent yes. a player is. He's the second lowest in all, in all football quarterback. Only Matt Ryan uh, was more consistent on a week-to-week basis. I just love Rodgers. I love that he runs. I, I, and I like Wilson and Mariota for the same reason, so don't get me wrong. They kind of all fit into a category together for me where if you can run your floor – is just so much higher <laughs> on a week to week basis. So um, I think I'm I'm for cash games right now without something crazy changing like coming out of Vegas, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think Rogers is the, is the way I'm going to go. We're getting a crazy discount on Aaron Rodgers this week. Most weeks he's going to be a thousand dollars more expensive, but he's going against Seattle, so they think you know we we got to bring it down. There's not going to be as many people on him. And last year against Seattle at home. 21.2 fantasy points. He went for 246, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I know Seattle has one of the best secondaries in football, but it's not like absolutely locked down like Denver. Like you can play a quarterback against Seattle if they're a real good price. And like you said, Aaron Rodgers is safe. And this week, we just have so much value on the slate that, you know, we might as well spend up and get an Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you look at his price point compared to some of these other guys. I would much rather have Aaron Rodgers than drop down just $600 and get a Marcus Mariota. I have no issue with paying up for Rodgers this week. I mean, I don't have an issue with it because you mentioned there's a lot of value on the board, but I would be cautious about his total last year against them. It was in week 14, and Earl Thomas was not on the field for that game. That's true. Uh, He was hurt the week before, and uh, that's a massive part of their defense because if you see when he got hurt, their defense kind of took a turn for the worse. Uh, Now, granted, their secondary... It can be exposed a little bit, but their front seven supplies a lot of pressure. And, you know, the, the loss on the offensive line, J.C. Treader, uh, the, the Packers offensive line, I hope that doesn't, you know, prove to be really bad because this front seven is going to bring pressure. Uh, and as you mentioned, Rodgers, those totals that he had in week 14, he only threw the ball 23 times and then he threw for 200, 246 yards and three touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers is one of the smartest quarterbacks in football. Uh, he avoids Richard Sherman in coverage. That's the concern I have about guys like Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson. They, they seem to mix it up a little bit last year where they, they basically played 50% of the snaps out there on the right side of the field because Richard Sherman doesn't move. But at yeah. least Rodgers, we know he's smart enough to stay away from Richard Sherman in coverage. So uh, I have no issue paying up for him. I just worry about his last year numbers against them just because of who wasn't on the field. So, Doug, if we're going the cheap route so we can get both Bell and Johnson in our lineup at running back, which quarterback has your eye? Yeah, I like, I mean, on DraftKings, he's coming real cheap is Carson Wentz. Um, He's only 5,300. It's against the Washington team that, while not terrible on defense, not particularly good. And he's second year, kind of uh, sophomore, sophomore year with what I think is a pretty big upgrade in Alshon Jeffrey uh, from what they were getting last season out of the wide receiver wide receiver one position. So I like Wentz, 5,300. It's mostly just a DraftKings play. I don't think on FanDuel I'm interested in going too much cheaper, mostly because the prices are uh, there's less of a spread on prices over there than there is on DraftKings. But uh, I think Wentz is a good situation. I like when you get clear improvements in terms of just arsenal and weapons. And again, the second year Moving into his second year, they were able to they they were more willing to have him throw. His average yards, or excuse me, his average uh, attempts per game last year was I think like three or four attempts higher in the second half of the season, which struck me as um, just allowing you know the, the leash to come off, <laughs> or um, so to speak. So uh, Wentz at fifty three hundred is definitely a way I would want to go, and I actually love stacking him with Jeffrey there. Uh, my guy Sam Bradford this week. He goes to uh, he plays at home against New Orleans. And Sam Bradford just has so many weapons. Stephon Diggs, he's got Kyle Rudolph, he's got Dalvin Cook now, Adam Thielen. And this is his first year ever, I've said this before, his first year ever with the same offensive coordinator two years in a row. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of quarterback he can be. I mean, remember, he was really good last year, like number three in accuracy. And he just got thrown onto this roster, learned the playbook immediately and went out there and performed. So I think this could be a breakout year for Sam Bradford. I love the price point, just $7,000 on FanDuel. Tags, who's your guy? 
Um, you know, if we go down there, I think Carson Palmer or Sam Bradford, those, those guys fit my mold too. I think one player I want to mention before we move on to running back is that I really would like to get in some lineups is Derek Carr. The Tennessee defense, uh, they're one of the best run defenses in the league. Their secondary is, you know, it's a brand new secondary, essentially, especially at the cornerback position. Uh, they're going, there's a lot of moving parts. And when it comes to playing with safeties and cornerbacks that you haven't before, you have to have a certain line of communication. There's a reason that the Ravens with Ed Reed and those guys became so good because they knew the what the other guy was going to do while they were doing one thing. This is not going to be the case with the Tennessee secondary. Marshawn Lynch is going to have a struggle his first week. So Derek Carr is one of those guys. Like if you're looking on DraftKings to build, you know, that, that, that perfect lineup, you know, where you could win a billion dollars, uh, whatever it is, that ridiculous number. I think Derek Carr could be one of those guys that finishes the top quarterback of the week. Yeah, I always think back to a few years ago when Ryan Tannehill had four touchdowns in the first half. Like, it can happen to anyone any week. I think this is a good spot for Derek Carr. I'm completely avoiding Marshawn Lynch um, because Jarrell Casey's sitting there, and their front seven is actually pretty good, but they're going to be passing a lot. I actually think Oakland is the safest stack with Carr and Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree because he just doesn't throw to that many other people. Um, so who do you think it could be this week that could win someone a billion dollars here, Doug? Um, well, I mean, besides the guys we already mentioned here, I do think someone that people will be off of because he's in a similar price point as some of the other guys we mentioned, but he's came, he's coming off of was clearly his worst year was Cam. Um, like he's got a great matchup here against San Francisco. They're supposed to put up a lot of points going on the road could mean, I mean, there's some, there's some speculation here that they, that if the 49ers can hang a little bit, that they kind of hit some of their Vegas implied total. It's hard to imagine his completion percentage will be, you know, this is you never like to say like a negative about some guy that you're <laughs> trying to work into a positive light here, but it's hard to imagine his completion percentage gets any lower than it was last season. Um, you know, he struggled with some injury. There's some concussion stuff there. I do think the addition of McCaffrey allows him, especially because I think they're going to use him in the, in the passing game. And then, I mean, you always hope it could help him. Benjamin just is not, is not fat <laughs> basically, but um, <laughs> the, uh, so I do think, I do think people will not be on cam as much. And he fits actually that profile of has some weapons, clearly has a talent and will also get out and run if they if they allow yeah. him to Huge so um, ceiling and the thing you know the thing with like putting in those those perfect lineups those billion dollar lineups is what well, you know i actually looked at those I, I ran all 16 lineups for last year uh for each of the main slates just to kind of see what were some of the things that came out and really every single one you needed a stack but actually cam was the one quarterback last year that was able to put together a week that he stacked a wide receiver and a tight end together. So there was one week where it's him, uh, Olsen, and Benjamin all together in in one of the perfect lineups, and that was the only quarterback that that used two weapons, um, like you know, two passing threats to complete the perfect lineup. So I mean, it's sort of apropos of nothing, but um, he definitely has that kind of upside. That was probably the week against San Francisco, wasn't it? Because that was the week where he threw for like 330 yards and had four touchdowns. So I'm yeah, gonna... it was like it was week one or two. It was really early in the season. Um, I just I, without looking at it right this second. Um, it was really early in the season. I could probably draw it up before we get done. But yeah, it was uh, and it was before yeah, his shoulder was hurt. Right and uh, right exactly. And then and actually, you know, there was a point of the season last year that he stopped running. It was week two, by the way. Um, the there was a there was a kind of a week where he stopped running too. Like he had run in for uh, he'd run in for a touchdown and kind of got lit up and got concussed that week and then he was just kind of weird after that i i do think he's in a bounce back situation and like i said when he's on he there's few other he has as much upside as really any of these other guys and i do think he goes under own because he sits in the same price point as rogers and, and wilson and guys those guys i think will be a little more popular two guys that really intrigue me and do not hear me wrong i am not excited about these guys i'm not going to use them in cash games or anything like that but Jared Goff and Deshaun Kaiser, I mean, Kaiser, we know he's got some legs on him, and there's always big time upside with somebody like that. And then Jared Goff, he's got Sean McVay going for him. He's got Andrew Whitworth. They added Sammy Watkins. Jared Goff just really frankly sucks, but maybe he doesn't this year. I mean, we, we remember Cam Newton's very first game. Everyone thought, oh, he's a run-only quarterback. He can't pass in the NFL. What did he throw for 450 yards in his first game ever? I think Jared Goff getting Sean McVay, has some upside this week just in the mystery. And the same kind of thing with Kaiser. I mean, I think Kaiser is going to be a turnover machine. He's probably going to hurt people this week. But there's a chance that he just blows up at that, what is it, minimum salary? Well, that's the thing. So I think those guys are stuck in a purgatory, right? You're not going to trust them in a cash game lineup because, well, 
obvious reasons, and they don't have the upside to win you a tournament. That's my concern. Is is they're sure stuck they in do this. with their price points? They, I think they absolutely do. I don't think so because to win a tournament, you need to hit like you need a quarterback that's throwing for three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Essentially, I mean, maybe well, not. Well, maybe I mean if he if he's two thirds of the price of a normal quarterback, then he doesn't have to do that because that means you have you know the best two running backs and two of the best three wide receivers. That's so. assuming that you guess everywhere else perfectly and it makes up for a, a lower scoring quarterback. I just don't think that Kaiser or Goff have three hundred yards three touchdown upside either of them and and this is probably the best situation that Jared Goff is ever going to have um against a Colts team that doesn't even have Vontae Davis but uh it's it just the lack of upside that they present so I wouldn't consider them for a tournament and you're definitely not trusting them in cash if you look back at DraftKings perfect lineups from last year one thing you do notice is that on by and large the quarterbacks that filled out uh, that filled out those perfect lineups were in the upper tier of price, right? It's like the Lux, the Newtons, the Roethlisberger's, but there are examples. So there were a couple weeks uh, there was actually funny enough, unbelievably, Trevor Simeon was in the perfect lineup twice last year. Now it was the only, oh, it was so stupid. It was only, it was his only, it was basically he had like three good games and two of them were just complete blow it out of the box games. And then the rest of the year he was just awful, right? So uh, those were weeks where he was, com- you know, coming in that same sort of like 5,000 and less price range. So it was two weeks of him, one week of Case Keenum, who was pretty cheap but the rest of the time it was it was quarterbacks kind of in like that 7,000 ish range uh and those are like and, and those we would call the name guys right like pretty, basically all the guys we've discussed up until this point so there is some precedent to these cheap guys getting there um it's just not nearly as likely as the known commodities with you know actual pedigree and talent that makes sense um so we we talked about this billion dollars that you can win what I'm about to tell you has never been done in the history of fantasy sports. DraftKings is celebrating the return of fantasy football season by giving you a shot to be crowned the first ever fantasy football billionaire. That's billion with a B. If you draft the perfect lineup this Sunday, you can win $1 billion. All you have to do is use the promo code FANTASYPROS to play in DraftKings' free contest with $100,000 in total guaranteed prizes this Sunday. And if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. It's free, so why wouldn't you try? That's DraftKings.com, code FANTASYPROS. Okay, guys, let's move on over to the running back position. You know, last year, Doug, it was extremely popular midseason to roll out both Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Our optimizer loves it. Are you on board with this strategy to start the year? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's it's probably a little bit of a closer call on DraftKings where the pricing is tighter. On FanDuel, I just think you're going to see ownership levels on these guys just kind of through the roof, right? For cash games, at least. I think I, I think we're talking like 80% maybe um, on, on the Sunday main Even slate. with McCoy and Gurley's matchup, you think so? I think so. These guys are just so, the, the known commodity piece about what they offer. Like, so you can kind of be at any level of DFS. Like you could be walking in for your first day and you basically know that these guys are so clearly the top two options because like if you did a fa- if you did any season long drafts you know that they were clearly one and two picks um, and then there was just a massive drop off in expected talent after those two guys so I think there's really just no system that's not going to have them as so far and away the top guys and I think like I said on FanDuel the pricing is soft enough that I think your ownership level is is going to be you're going to see them pretty pretty high on DraftKings like it's, you know where the pricing is tighter. It is a little harder and you are going to need to introduce some variance in your life, you know, probably at wide receiver to, to be able to, to get there. I still yeah, think there's it's some incredible enough. wide receiver value, though. So it makes sense. And also Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, their salaries are lower than they were most of the season. Well, right. Year. I don't know if it's like a, a week one gift or whatever. Or we haven't seen it, so we don't know if it's going to be the same. It is going to be the same. It might be I think better. it's I think, you know, the week one gift piece, you know, so, you know, part of the part of DraftKings and FanDuel's model is keeping people interested in and hanging around with their with their money on the site. Right. And one of those ways you do that is to at least for the first week, make it so that people can put together lineups that they quote like. Right. <laughs> like they want to be able to stare at a lineup that says, I feel like I can put some money in on this lineup. And the way you do that is you make the pricing maybe what, like five to 10 percent, a little softer than it actually should be just so it can happen. Now, I still think they did a pretty good job um i think i still think it's not as clear cut as it's like a complete no-brainer to do it i still think just the amount of value you get on these guys at the top end is just so much better than really any of the running back i think it's probably correct but like i said it is closer yeah so uh tags where are you on this are you going bell and johnson i mean mccoy and Gurley, as i mentioned have great matchups i think they're both going to get a load of carries but i don't know i don't know if you can trust them considering how terrible their offenses are 
Well, I don't think you need to this week. And the reason I say that is because like so some people are kind of like looking at them aren't looking at the matchup close enough that David Johnson has this week against Detroit. They're a team that didn't allow they only allowed it was two running backs to score more than 18 PPR points last year and they didn't allow any running back to score more than 22 points. Now, with that being said, David Johnson overcomes a lot of odds, but at the same time, when you're looking at a guy that that's below him for $1200 cheaper on DraftKings, LaShawn McCoy, I would much rather play him against the Jets in the game that they're projecting to win by nine and a half points they really don't have anybody else in the roster I just we're, we're at the point now where it's like you, when you're paying up that that high I don't think we need to with the other running backs down the slate I have no problem with Bell Bell against Cleveland they're a team that allowed 22 or more DraftKings points to seven of the last 10 running backs they played <laughs> wow. in 2016 whereas Detroit they actually they got better and better as the year went on after they allowed three of the first run at four running backs to total 89 or more rushing yards they didn't allow a single running back to top 86 rushing yards the rest of the season. So they started to figure it out. Their secondary is a really big problem, I think, Arizona. That's why I like Palmer so much this week. If if David Johnson does, in fact, live up to that price, I think he does a lot in the receiving game because I don't think there's a way he scores two rushing touchdowns against them. But like I said, I don't think you need to. Do I fault anybody for doing it? No. A lot of people are going to be employing that strategy just because of all the value there is. But again, I just think that LaShawn McCoy can live up to, to that price point and he costs you a lot less this week. And even going down further, there's some tremendous value use it running back this week. Tags, I'm with you. I'm locking in Le'Veon Bell against Cleveland, and uh, I'm off David Johnson. I do like McCoy more than Gurley just because the Bills are, are the biggest favorite of the week, which is really funny to say. I mean, I like Gurley this week, uh, but there's just so many other options. I'm actually pairing Le'Veon Bell with Bilal Powell, though. Uh, the reason why, he was just so phenomenal when he finally got to start those final four weeks. 411 rushing yards, 141 receiving yards in four weeks. That's a, if you rate that out to, uh, prorate that to 16 games, that's 2,200 yards from scrimmage. And I understand it's a small sample size, but that's better than David Johnson did. Even if he takes a big step backward, we could be looking at 14, 1500 if he gets that kind of volume. And Matt Forte is still working his way up. He'll probably get some touches, but Blaw Pal this week. I'm a really big fan of him. Other guys that are cheap plays, we mentioned there's a lot of them. Isaiah Crowell, Amir Abdullah, even against Arizona, I like them both. So do you guys have a favorite cheap play? And what do you think about Powell? Powell's fantastic. He's like my favorite play of the week. You know, and it's funny because like in the in the pre-draft process, like before the Fantasy League began, uh, I wasn't like big on Powell. I thought, I was like, he's a low-end RB2, high-end three. You know, he's he'll, he'll be solid. But this week, I love him because you, if you go and you look at the five games that, that Bilal Powell saw 11 or, or more touches last year, he totaled 21.9 or more PPR points in four of those five games. Again, that is a small sample size, but the fact that he's going against the Bills is something that cannot be understated. The Bills lost starting linebacker Zach Brown, starting safety Aaron Williams, and both starting cornerbacks Stephon Gilmore and Ron Darby this offseason. In the 10 games, so going to look at just Aaron Williams, Aaron Williams when they lost him last year to an injury, <laughs> in the 10 games they did not have Williams for a full game. They allowed three 200-yard games to running backs in those 10 games. Yep. That's not good. That's really not good at all. <laughs> I don't know how else to put this. Um, but at $4,900, he's game script proof where, yep. yes, the Bills are favored. The, the concern is that the, the Jets' impl- implied total is very, very low. That's my only concern here. But on a, on a site like DraftKings, the receptions are going to prove to be so wonderful for Bilal Powell. He's game script proof because if they're winning, he's going to be mixing in with carries with, with Matt Forte. And obviously, the points have to get on the board somehow and we don't expect the receivers to do much. And if they're losing, he's going to be catching passes galore. So Bilal Powell at 4,900, you really can't convince me that he should not be in a, in a cash game lineup this week. What do you think, Doug? Yeah, no, he's a, he ranks out third in our system in terms of points per dollar, and we might actually just be just a little bit low on his carries. Now, we factor in, um, you know, really with a running back, I'm totally with you on all the pieces about the game script part because he does he catches like 60 receptions or something like that last year like he's he's going to factor into that part of it our system is going to draw heavily at times on just where you stand with the Vegas implied total excuse me uh, where you stand with your Vegas spread because running backs that are favorites in games just do correlate better with more consistent production, right? So like Gurley fits that uh, pretty well. Powell doesn't, though, the pass catching part comes into it. I hit 4,900. Like Carlos Hyde's in that in that same category of cheap guy that could see enough touches to make it to make him worth it on DraftKings. His 4,600 4, is probably just too cheap for him, but he has the same sort of Vegas underdog problem that maybe Powell doesn't have. So, uh, you know, in terms of value, just in points per dollar value, we actually rank out Gurley as the highest running back on DraftKings this week. 
Tag, should I be worried that maybe Powell just isn't going to get as many touches? I mean, Forte is back, and we don't really know what they're going to do. Like, is this actually a safe play? Believe me, I thought about this because, as I mentioned, I'm a cash game player. That's what I do. That's what I, I succeed in. Uh, and the reason I'm okay with Powell and cash is because Matt Forte is was reportedly being trying to be traded, and they couldn't find any partners for him. If, if they were trying to trade Forte, there was rumors he might get cut. In the end, I think the Jets have to put butts in seats. And Matt Forte, if he does a, if he brings a couple extra people in, they'll keep him around. It's not like they had salary cap issues or anything like that. But Matt Forte missed a lot of the preseason. Bilal Powell got back on the on the field faster than he did. Matt Forte is obviously older at this point in his career. It just seems like it may, it would make no sense if Forte was more involved in the passing game, which honestly, I really didn't understand what the Jets did last year because Matt Forte, the, the, the best area of his game is his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. He was never an elite running back. I don't know where people got that idea that Matt Forte was like, you know, Le'Veon Bell running the ball. He's not. Um, he, he was just a great receiver. So if he's not going to be used as a receiver, I'm not too worried about Matt Forte. Okay. Um, now, guys, when we're looking for a contrarian running back, because if you're going to win one of these GPPs, and I know Tags, you're not the biggest GPP guy, so this question's more for Doug. Do you go for someone like a Tevin Coleman, who we saw have a bunch of big games last year with Kyle Shanahan, or do you go for like a Ty Montgomery against a great defense like Seattle, who, you know, could just happen to have a big yeah, game? Yeah, I mean, uh, I do play more cash games than tournaments as well, so I kind of stick okay. into the, although this week I will put in more just because, uh, GBP, just because you're going to see a lot of what we would kind of consider dead money going in. Um, being, Easy yeah, money. right, exactly. So <laughs> this is kind of the week, I think. Yeah, people who still have Jay Ajayi in their lineup because they have Exactly, things like that. Now, I, I, I would much prefer Montgomery in that case. Um, I think Montgomery, I love him going into the season. I wish he actually had a slightly better match up this week just because um Agreed. it's just not i'd be yeah, on the front the, the front uh four of seattle is greatly improved here with sheldon so i like montgomery he'd be the guy though i would want to put in there for tournaments and he'd actually be a guy i'd be borderline comfortable pairing with rogers with i don't usually you do not want to do a quarterback running back stack that um i don't think well, I just know for a fact that in DraftKings, that really wasn't a play. But the one time it can work is if you have a guy that sort of stands to see stuff in the passing game like, like Ty. So from a tournament upside play, I much prefer him, especially because we're all, we are kind of guessing at what her, his workload is going to be. And if we, if in general, the industry is low on what their actual plans are for him, he has actually a ton of upside in, in a game, especially, especially if Green Bay gets up. Yeah, he can bust that big play. You mentioned it earlier, the fact that this has the highest total of the week. And the last I checked, it was the highest total of the week that the Raiders Tennessee was uh, was second to it. And, you know, you, you typically want to uh, attack those type of games, right, where they're expecting a lot of points. And Ty Montgomery, he's another guy that's kind of multifaceted, right? He can catch the ball out of the backfield with the best of them. Obviously, he used to be a wide receiver. <laughs> and looking at Seattle last year, they did allow Bilal Powell six catches for 54 yards in one of the weeks. David Johnson racked up eight catches for 58 yards. So, you know, you see you see some trends in that. And I, I think that this would be an area, this, this could be a game where that they could use Ty Montgomery as a lot as a wide receiver more than they can as a running back. Two names that stand out to me with some upside. And I never thought I would say this about either of them. Terrence West at Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh Cincinnati's missing perfect and they're missing Adam Jones. Jones isn't really going to help on run defense anyway, but Joe Flacco hasn't even taken a snap this preseason. They've got some wide receivers banged up. Danny Woodhead is banged up as well. So I think Terrence West is going to get most of the volume here in the backfield. And uh, he's trimmed down some weight this year, so he might be a little bit better. But anytime you've got a guy who can get 15, maybe even 20 carries, he's going to get the goal line carries. I think he's got some touchdown upside. If he runs into two or three touchdowns, he could be a top three running back this week. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like you've said on the on the show before last year, Doug, anybody can be a good GPP play because it, it does happen. There's just so many scenarios that can happen. And the other guy is Eddie Lacy. We know Thomas Rawls is banged up, as you mentioned, last show tags. And uh, Eddie Lacy is the co-starter. They're going against Green Bay, who does not have a good defense. So uh, y- we could see it happening. And there was a reason he was drafted in the top five two years ago. He's got a lot of talent. Uh, there are, you know, these are these are the weeks where it's best to, you know, a lot of people going in with projection systems early are going to try to take like that median that the, the median amount of or the mean amount of uh, just projected volume from a player, right? Like you're going to be conservative, right? And so anytime you can, if you can project out, you know, a standard deviation over what most other people are going to see as like what you know what someone's implied to get these are the weeks where guys like west or like even these rookie running backs right like Mixon or cooks uh these guys that like we just no one has any idea about these are the times to kind of take a chance on guys like that because you'll find you'll find out you'll find out we're going to know so much more in week two right about what some of these teams plans are but if you can take a chance on some of them early 
you, you can be early to the party in a place where most of the people are going to be probably just a little conservative, especially with the guys like Johnson and Bell on the board. Like they're, everyone knows those guys. So trying to find these running backs in new situations are, I think the the best time to take a shot is like now, because again, everyone will, everyone will correct for week two and it might, it might not work, but this is the time to do it. So moving on over to wide receiver, my model loves Julio Jones and Amari Cooper because, well, I mean, we should have a ton of money to spend with all the values. Do you two agree that these are the two top plays at wide receiver? I mean, it's hard not to like those guys, right? I mean, if, you, if you're going to pay up at wide receiver, sure. I mean, I have no issues with that. I think Antonio Brown is well worth his $8,800 price tag, too. Um, Jamar Taylor is apparently going to shadow him. I don't know when people thought Jamar Taylor was going to be a shutdown cornerback or that he can hang one-on-one with Antonio Brown, but he can't. Um, and if they do that, it's going to be a long day for the youngin. Uh, but for, for me, if you if you go down the list a little bit more, I think there's better plays uh, in terms of value. I think Larry Fitzgerald is probably my favorite my favorite play of the week. Of course, uh, yeah. He's fifty nine hundred dollars. Like there is, if Larry Fitzgerald cost you like seventy five hundred this week, I'd play him. Uh, he's going to be going against Quandre Diggs of the Lions. Uh, this is a guy. I'm just going to tell you this. He was targeted forty six times in coverage uh, last year. Only four of those passes hit the ground. He allowed forty two <laughs> no receptions. No way. He allowed forty two receptions for four hundred seventy seven yards and two touchdowns over the last. Uh, over the last few years, Larry Fitzgerald has dominated for over the first five weeks of the last two years. I want to say that he's the highest scoring fantasy wide receiver through five weeks of, uh, um, if you were to combine the two seasons. Like, he has been lights out, uh, scores over a touchdown of the game, and then you go past those five games and he, he trends down. That's what happens with age. We see it. But, you know, we've talked about everything. The fact that the, the starting, starting a rookie at middle linebacker, when that's over the middle of the field where Larry Fitzgerald is going to spend all of his time, and against guys like Quandre Diggs, who got benched last year. So there are so many reasons to like him. He's a wide receiver one inside my rankings this week, and he's the 20th most expensive wide receiver on DraftKings. I don't know what he is on, on FanDuel if he's, like, higher. In he's the number 36th highest uh, wide receiver this week in terms of salary. He's a $6,400, so he's number 36, right behind uh, Cam Meredith, who I guess who's not even playing, and and Jamison Crowder. Yes, and he's our consensus projections have him as the number 11 wide receiver this week. So it is just a beautiful thing. It's going to be so stupid, his ownership. And you still, you got to play him still, even if his ownership's like 60%. If we locked in lineups right now, he'd be in all my cash game lineups too. Like he's showing up in every, he's just criminally underpriced, especially on FanDuel. It's probably a little closer on DraftKings. Just, yeah, you're, I think, you, I think you probably see him as one of the highest owned just uh, FanDuel plays, at least a wide receiver, just because of the price. Uh, going back to Cooper and Jones real quick, um, one my one concern with those, well it's, well, it's the same concern, but for both of the guys, is that if you look at their performances last year, they were extremely volatile. Um, like So they're, they sort of spiked some of their high weeks in terms of just like their standard deviations were pretty high and their CVs were pretty high as, compa- as compared to some of these other guys. So like uh, I mean, Jones, you know, he kind of pile like he has some of these clustering effects in terms of his performances and Cooper kind of existed in the same way where like if so for instance like last year Michael Crabtree and Cooper were basically the same amount of points scored for the season but you would have much rather just run Crabtree out every week right like now Cooper would have won you a tournament a couple times right but for a cash game perspective Crabtree was the guy uh, as long as they were priced sort of in the, in the same range I like Crabtree this week, too. I think I'm trying to target guys who don't have those clusterings, right? And now, again, things change season to season, and you can have different schemes and just things kind of work out differently. But um, both those guys kind of fit that mold of highly volatile, great upside, but... They've shown some. They got. They've. They've shown some. Some downside weeks. You know those prices. That's my only concern about paying for those guys in this situation. Yeah. Uh, plus the Bears. You know they had a top ten pass defense last year, so uh, you can't really take that lightly. It, it. I think it comes down to volume, though. That the volume that they faced because their secondary is not good. Um. That's the weakness of the Bears team. I can tell you that right now. And Prince Amukamara, the the cornerback that they signed in free agency and expected to kind of cover. Uh, when I mean he's not going to shadow wide receivers, but when they're on his side of the field, which Julio Jones would have been, Prince Mucamara missed practice. Uh, he may not play this game. He's got a he's got an ankle injury, and if he's not even, let's say he does play, he may not be 100%, and, and let's not pretend that Amukamara can stop Julio Jones at even 120%. So the Bears' safety play, they have some young talent back there. Uh, Quentin Demps, they got him in free agency. So there's some moving parts in this Bears' defense. Steve Sarkeesian, we don't know what to expect from the Atlanta offense, uh, but he has said that they're going to use Julio Jones in the red zone, and I believe him. I think he's been criminally underused, and there's been no reason for us to doubt Julio Jones in the red zone because his efficiency number inside the red zone have been pretty solid it's not like you know yeah. Amari Cooper where he's they just don't throw him the ball yeah exactly and that's what but, I'm but saying. it's I, a new system it's Sarkeesian could just decide 
we're going to throw the ball to Julio Jones 220 times this year, including 25 times in the red zone. And we'll never, we've never seen that before. So I think there's quite a bit of upside here. I think Brown is safer, but if we're going Le'Veon Bell at running back, Doug, does it also make sense to go Antonio Brown in cash games or is that kind of dangerous? He's probably just too expensive for me is the problem. Um, I think it's fine. He's pretty consistent. Um, I, you know, in terms of consistency rankings, I think I have him second. Um, uh, second only to Jordy Nelson, who I would love to talk about because I kind of love Jordy this week. But um, I, it's really just a price play when it comes to Brown. I think you you get as about as consistent a wide receiver as you can want in fantasy football in him. I just don't know if I'm playing up for those other two guys, I just don't think that would be, that would be the thing that like kind of had me away from him. And it's just a price thing. If he was 400 cheaper, I think we'd be, he'd be firmly in the mix, but I just don't know uh, if I, if I had to, if someone has to be on the chopping block at the top of the, at the top of the salary scale, he'd be, he'd go for me before some of those running backs. And I think you're just getting enough value at wide receiver in some other spots. So talk to me about Jordy Nelson. Then you mentioned him against Seattle's defense. Yeah, no. Um, so if you look at cornerback ranks from last year, Sherman did have, according to Pro Football Focus at least, had a pretty significant drop off. Now, um, how much they're going to line him up? You guys mentioned before, you know, where they're going to line him up in the second, or excuse me, in the secondary, as opposed to where they line Jordy up, uh, will be something to watch. But in terms of consistency, like Nelson was the most consistent wide receiver last year, and kind of really wasn't even close, right? Um, so his his standard deviation was lower than just about anybody else <laughs> uh, in his price range. His CV was in the same range as like. David Johnson in terms of in terms of just how consistent he was on a week to week basis. Um, that's the exact kind of thing I'm looking for because he's just a target monster, right? Like we've seen it time and time again where Rodgers just loves to target him and it makes sense. And I think when we have some historical context for a guy like him, I'm just completely fine running him out in cash games because they've shown they're smart enough to kind of make it work and they just have year over year. Well, I mean, I know he's dealt with some injuries before, but um, in terms of what he did last year, really no other wide receiver was as consistent as him. And that's something I kind of am willing to pay for. Again, it might be a chopping block thing here if you're rostering the two uh, other expensive running backs. But I I have Nelson right now as the second overall raw points projected wide receiver. And I I have a feeling that we're probably out on a limb with that. And uh, but I've looked at it and I feel pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, he's a baller in the red zone, too. You know, the one time he did get shut down was against Janoris Jenkins, and Janoris Jenkins crushed Des Bryant twice last year, too. Do not you even think about playing Des Bryant. That is the one player on the entire slate wall just say, you know what, he has no chance in GPP to, to meet his uh, his value either. I I don't know if I could ever completely fade Des. It's kind of like a Gronk type effect where it's like he can score two touchdowns. Now, do I th- do I expect that to happen? No. I have I have Des as a low end wide receiver too. And if Des was Dallas going to score two touchdowns? Well, that's a good question because Dak Prescott <laughs> didn't throw a single touchdown against them last year. Um, so, I mean, I, again, I don't play in enough tournaments to own Des, but if you're one of those guys that plays in, you know, tons yeah. of tournaments, I don't think you should ever go no Des Bryant exposure. I think he's that good of a, f- a player, and I think his touchdown upside is always there. But I think it's interesting, Doug, you talking about Jordy Nelson. I think that we're going to learn a lot about this Packers offense in week one. I say that because Richard Sherman does stay on one side of the field. He plays at left cornerback 95% of the time. He never goes into the slot. They tried shadowing him a little bit last year in, in a couple spots and he didn't do good with it he, he knows his side of the field he stays there so I want to see how the Packers do this right they usually stick you know Brandon Boykin up there whoever their worst wide receiver was they would just throw him up by Sherman and they would attack <laughs> other parts of the field but the problem now is that they have Jordy Nelson they have Devontae Adams and they have Randall Cobb all three wide receivers who have proven to be talented in the NFL Randall Cobb arguably has the best matchup here over the middle of the field because if they decide Richard Sherman we're gonna leave you at left wide receiver and Devontae Adams is there you could take care of him Jordy Nelson we're going to bracket you we're going to bring Earl Thomas over to your side of the field and help out you know the that, that side of the field I don't know what they do but Randall Cobb is actually a sneaky play this week yeah I like Randall Cobb yeah, well, as well. The, the Packers are one of those teams that just almost they like the Falcons in this way too and this is why you saw I mean at least with Julio with some of his uh just maybe some of his inconsistent they just have tons of weapons and that is a problem right um there is diminishing returns on a player when a lot of the guys around you are good. Now, the, the other part of that is when a lot of the guys around you are good, you do draw some more single coverages because you just can't afford you can't afford to stick every every single guy out on an island. So it's sort of chicken or the egg. I, I, I'm willing to kind of look at a full season worth of Jordy and just say this is kind of again, I, I know that at least for our system, we are kind of sticking our neck out a little bit on this projection because I suspect we're probably higher on him than just about anybody else in the industry. And like I said, I'm just fine with it. 
Yeah, the Packers are great for GPP because almost every single week there's going to be one of the guys in in the best lineup. Uh, But cash games, it is dangerous. Let me ask you guys. It sounds like we're going to have enough money to spend where we don't have to worry about this. My lineup does have one dirt cheap player. Is there anyone that's dirt cheap to you guys that you think is in line for heavy target volume tags? Why don't you go first? Um, you know, we, we talked about this game a lot and I'm going to attack it because I think he'll be criminally underowned, And it's one of those things where people don't pay attention until after the fact that it's happened. And I've been trying to get his name out everywhere. It's Paul Richardson. If you guys follow me on Twitter and you've asked me for one name to grab off waiver wire, stuff like that. But even though this is you DFS, think he gets a bunch of targets, I, I love his upside, but we'll look at Jermaine curse, right? Jermaine curse over the last couple of years. He's pretty much seeing five, six targets every single game. Paul Richardson is much more talented over the final four games. Even if you look in, in at the, the, the playoffs last year, the final four games, that Paul Richardson played when Tyler Lockett got hurt. Jermaine Curse was still on the field, um, but he, yeah, he, he had, had four hurt. or five receptions. Oh, yeah, game. he had over. He had over. Was, I want to say it was thirteen receptions for over two hundred yards and three touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he he finished the year really well this preseason. He only played like the three snaps in the one game. He was targeted twice by Russell Wilson. He was out there with the first team offense. Them trading away Jermaine Curse tells me so much. It, it says we are ready to move forward with Paul Richardson because Tyler Lockett's still a question mark coming off of his injury. It was a it was a nasty injury, and you know you have to wonder if he's going to be the same player. Some people are assuming that Tyler Lockett is the guy who just steps right in as the number two receiver. Tyler Lockett, when he was healthy last year, he couldn't even pass up Jermaine Curse. So Paul Richardson was a former second-round pick. I think people have kind of overlooked him going against this Green Bay secondary, who brought in Devon House. Like Devon House, I, their their cornerback situation is just so 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 bad. And, and the funny thing this, is that might be an upgrade. It really might be. They were so bad last year. I don't year. even know if I could do that. Uh, but anyways, it, it's it's the game with the highest over under the week so if you're looking for a punt play like down down you know far down in salary i think you could definitely do far worse than paul richardson i think there's a couple um you know there's a couple of new situation kind of guys going on here that are coming cheap that again we're going to know a lot more after we after this week where they land now you can but i think you can probably take a chance and i'm the you know i'm going to kind of group them by team here because i think that's probably the better way to go but like the chicago wide receiver situation those guys are coming cheap uh with white and uh kendall right yeah kendall right sorry who actually and Wright has actually been a target guy in the past right now they have they're going to struggle with quarterback play but they're probably also going to be throwing here uh to try to keep right. pace um i think you could see one of those guys be established you know with cam meredith not anywhere around here i think you, we could see one of these guys establish himself as a wr1 uh the tennessee situation kind of strikes me as the same thing i I know they brought in Decker, uh, but guys like Matthews and Davis, if you know that these are clear upgrades of what they were doing last year, at least in terms of Tajay Sharp, who you know, Tajay Sharp is actually the guy who existed in this. This is who everyone thought he was going to be at week one last year, yeah. and it just <laughs> never materialized. I think I think it's Matthews. Davis is going to be limited a little bit, but I like Matthews quite a bit. Right, so these team situations where you're kind of looking at a new... I mean, the Tennessee one's not as new as the Chicago one is, but um, these guys are all coming cheap, and they are going to have to probably establish somebody as to be the primary wide receiver. And we're just kind of all waiting, but they all exist in that 4,000 range on, on DraftKings. Yeah. So I could, I could talk to myself into any four of those guys on, uh, uh, on cheap on DraftKings. So is this just a GPP thing or is this like, would you play one of them for cash games? No. I, I'm all in on Kevin White. Everyone knows that I've got it in my cash game lineup this week because you look at what he did last year. Seven targets, six targets, 14 targets, and then nine targets in the first half of the game that he got hurt. They were giving the ball so much, and that's when Alshon was there. I think it's one of those things. It's like how much variance are you willing to absorb in in order to, in order to get in David Johnson and Bell? Because you're only doing this if you want to play those two guys, right? Like, so right. Um, if you don't play those guys, and I think you know if you go a little cheaper, like with a Gurley, let's say on, on DraftKings or or Blau Powell, and you and you kind of feel more comfortable playing mid tier guys like Terrell Pryor is a good example, or Alshon. These guys um, who I do think are going to see targets in the middle tier. It's really just you're you're mostly deciding do I want to do I do I want to live with some variance and play some of these cheap guys so that I can play the really known commodities uh, at running back or yeah. or am I just going to kind of throw a dart uh, that's that's really what you're deciding you're really not just deciding on this guy you're actually deciding on the running back and then deciding if that other these other guys like White and Matthews are worth it I think that I think that's really the question it's not just an and or like you're not saying oh do I want to play Kevin White or Terrell Pryor right no because they're they're <laughs> just course. like they're clearly different prices <laughs> it's like saying do I want to play Kevin White and David Johnson or Terrell Pryor and Todd Gurley together. Like, that's kind of the decision you end up making. Well, and Bobby, I can admire your your willingness to go all out on Kevin White, but I, I, I'm i advising you to just wait and see. Uh, the reason I say that is because with all those targets he had last year, his best performance was six catches for 62 yards. Like, he, he never scored a touchdown. So we have still yet to see it. And again, I'm not against Bo- Kevin White. I'm not. I mean, Melvin Gordon didn't score a touchdown as a rookie either, but, that but, that, but that's what good. I'm saying. But we're talking about yardage, too. He at least 
total some yardage. Kevin White didn't show us anything yet. And granted, he was, I mean, again, it was his first four games of his career. I'm not ragging on Kevin White. I'm just telling you in a cash game, you want to be more sure than someone like Kevin White, who hasn't really done anything in the NFL yet. I think a punt play down the board, I want to mention. And again, I, I, every time I say his name, I feel like I'm going to regret it, but I'm going to say Torrey Smith. Uh, the reason I say that is because if Alshon Jeffrey is going to be locked up with Josh Norman for the majority of the, the contest, which we expect Torrey Smith against Bashad Breeland in the Washington secondary. I mean, I don't think the Philly run game is good enough to carry this team up and down the field. So, I mean, all we need is one splash play out of Torrey Smith for him to live up to his $3,700 price tag. So I think you could definitely do worse than someone like Torrey Smith is like a GPP, like throwing in your lineup. Is there anyone else under the radar that you like this week, Doug? Yeah, we think we covered most of those guys. I mean, you could see a situation in Buffalo where they're, again, they're establishing something of a new, uh, just kind of a, a new set in terms of wide receiver with Matthews and uh, you know Zay Jones. You could see he's coming pretty cheap. I don't know if he's going to see the target share and probably Probably not like I wouldn't rely on it here, especially because they're pretty huge favorites uh, to win and they could just kind of start running downhill. But I again, I just like to for tournaments, I do like to target these new situations and just say one of these guys is going to emerge. They're going to throw the ball, you know, in the old someone's got to catch the ball category. Uh, some of these guys are coming cheap enough that taking a stab at them. And I, that Buffalo situation also strikes me as one of those situations. Yeah, I like uh, Robbie Anderson as well. Devin Funches, we've talked about him quite a bit. If Cam is healthy and they're going to San Francisco and he has a big game, Funches could get two touchdowns, maybe even three touchdowns. He's a big red zone threat. And then you mentioned uh, Randall Cobb. I think he's a real nice play as well. So uh, there's a lot to like at wide receiver this week. You're going to have no problem finding three guys you like on FanDuel and four for full PPR DraftKings. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Guys, let's move on over and talk about tight end and defense before we close up really quick. None of the expensive pieces I'm seeing here on tight end seem very good to me. Is this a good week to save some cash here? Yeah, tight end's a mess. Um, like frankly, it's uh, it's it's one of those situations where the known commodities are much too expensive. Um, at least on well, I'm really on both sides where you're, you're going to have to pay mid-tier wide receiver prices for guys who just typically operate under that level. But because tight end really has so little talent at it. Like there's very, the, the talent is all grouped at the top. And then after that, you're basically throwing darts. I think, I think tight end is probably the, the position you'll see the widest range of ownerships. Uh, well, not, a, well, I Agreed. take that back. I don't I, think I, we, we don't have anyone above 15% this week. I, the one guy I could see being chalky on DraftKings is Ertz. Um, he's coming very yes, cheap. Yes. Ertz is my yeah, guy. I think he'll yeah. be actually the chalk on DraftKings. Uh, he's just too cheap at 3,500. It kind of seems like a misprice. Uh, I know like, that's like, amazing. I don't know if a guy like Ertz can ever be misprice because it's not like he's great, but there's some track record for targets there. And I think that like another year with him and Wentz makes sense. I do think he's probably, he's not going to be as highly on a Fandle, but on DraftKings, I bet you he's, you can see like, like on cash games, like him in the 50 or 60% range, I suspect, because he's not really an under the radar guy and he's just simply coming too cheap. Yeah. I love Zach Ertz and I love Delaney Walker. There is no one else even on my radar. I mean, Oakland was so horrible against tight ends. We already talked about Corey Davis not playing as much, Eric Decker being banged up and Mar- Marcus Mariota throwing the ball a ton. So I think Delaney Walker's a good play, but it's Zach Ertz, man. He was on fire at the end of last season. Uh, like you said, Alshon's going to be covered by Josh Norman. So uh, tags, it sounds like Ertz is your guy too. Oh, Ertz, like 100%. I, I said on our week one episode, I said, just put Ertz in your lineup and log out. Um, and that's kind of how I feel <laughs> on a DFS yeah. standpoint. Him and Delaney Walker are my two tight ends. Uh, my cash game article will be coming out either tomorrow or Saturday uh, so that you guys be able to check it out. I have all these guys written up like in depth, so you'll be able to see all the stats kind of backing up. But yeah, those are really the only two tight ends that I would feel 100% confident playing this week. Uh, if you want to go further down the list, I talked about Charles Clay as someone. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the only, he's like the only guy on that team that has any chemistry with Tyrod Taylor that's like kind of like left over from the old regime so uh you know he's someone I would definitely definitely consider if you're looking for a cheaper option a lesser owned option or even if you want to go down to Antonio Gates he's only 3,000 again I've said before Denver is a hell of a defense to try and throw against but if you're going to you attack the tight end position and I think that the Chargers kind of just want to get this out of the way with the whole Antonio Gates thing because until it happens it's going to be like a question mark so yeah if you're looking for a couple lesser owned guys I think Charles Clay and Antonio Gates it's going to be interesting. Also, I, I tend to like um, keep a pretty solid cash game lineup, but I will move around. I, I will I'll in, I'll play different lineups if I see that of one position or a singular thing being more volatile. And I actually this is why I do think that's the case with tight end, at least on FanDuel this week. Right. Like I'm I'm fine to run multiple cash lineups. They're all basically be the same. And then it'll be something like Zach Miller and Austin Hooper and Charles Clay. They're, those guys all fit in that, that 45 to 47 range. And they're all I kind of see them most all yeah. the same, not spectacular options. I'm hoping to just not 
take a zero, you know, <laughs> like f- four catches for 50 yards would just be okay. Would just be okay at that point. I think <laughs> right, I don't want to yeah. spend up into that next tier because I, then you're going to probably sacrifice something at the wide receiver spot. So I, I think at least on FanDuel, I'll take a strategy of swapping, playing just about the same lineup and swapping that position around and maybe just kind of re- reduce my variance a little bit around the position that I just already don't like. Hey, Doug, real quick. I just wanted to ask you real quick, like, what does your model say about Evan Ingram? Do you do you like him this week? I just don't think he's going to play enough snaps. He, he He's actually fine. He's like another guy that exists in that in that like f- sub 5,000 range. But um, if you read some of the notes on him, he's not is going to be part of every package. I'm a little worried about that. Not like some of these other guys are, but at least like we've seen Miller on the field. Um, and if Hooper does take over some of that you know full-time tight end stuff in Atlanta I would probably tend to trust those guys a little more so he, he he definitely fits that category though of cheap guy that I would it's not like I'd like him significantly less I don't think I'd pay 10% more than the other guys I mentioned for a guy that might just play less snaps that'd be my only that'd be my only issue with him so Doug every single week some random tight end goes off for 120 and a <laughs> touchdown or you know 40 and two touchdowns who's it gonna be this time like for GPP we have to take some chances somewhere. Tight end, a lot of times it's just this random guy. So who do you have? Well, I think actually this week you get separation by paying up a tight end, right? Because I don't think that's what people are going to do. You're not going to want to do this. It's going to make it's going to feel bad to pay up in this into this next tier for most people because that means you're sacrificing, you know, some some wide receiver. Or you're sacrificing the 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 guy the the running backs that we said. And actually, because of that, it's probably for GPP. It is probably it probably does make sense to pay up for tight end because no one's going to want to do it. I mean, I'm assuming. So no is it like, are you it. talking pay up Jimmy Graham or yeah, like Graham and Reed. Olsen guys like this? Yeah, you know, I was gonna say Kelsey, but he plays on the Thursday game. But yeah, no, like that that group of guys, um, specifically Olsen and Graham. For this is strictly for tournaments. I do think you're gonna see those ownership levels really low because who wants to pay for for these guys? when it's going to mean you sacrifice something else in another part of your lineup, right? Like if we're struggling with tight end uh, pricing and points per dollar pricing right now, uh, the industry is not so divergent that like more people aren't seeing this. So I think for tournaments, you do yourself a service by getting separation on the guys that are actually known commodities. They're just probably just a little too expensive for cash games. Yeah. 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 And if you pay up for Greg Olson, it's going to create some variance in your lineups too. Um, yeah. And like Martellus Bennett's like the kind of the same thing. Like we don't know. And so um, like, you know, guys like that. Seattle's not very good face tight end. So yeah, that that makes sense. And he got, and he has a real quarterback throwing to him. Right. So like, um, (laughs) not like he did, not like he did last year. He hasn't up. Hold on a second. We've talked about this on the show, Doug. He has an upgraded quarterback this year. That (laughs) is great. That uh, is so funny. (laughs) I get blasted every single time that we mentioned Tom Brady, not being the greatest quarterback ever on Twitter. So bringing on people out, Bobby Fantasy Pro at Mike Taglier NFL. Doug, where, where can they find you? Uh, at Daily Fantasy SR is our uh, is our Twitter handle. I'm, I'm on yeah, Doug so, Nori too. So make sure to blast Doug on Twitter for saying that Aaron Rodgers is better than uh, than Tom Brady. All you uh, <laughs> Tom Brady truthers out there. Uh, let's close out with defense special teams really quick. Uh, Jacksonville, I think they're going to have huge ownership on Fandle. Just forty one hundred dollars. Um, Houston on on DraftKings, they're going to have the top ownership. Is there anyone else to even consider in cash games on these two sites? Yeah, I'm actually not on the Jacksonville side of that as much. I know they're coming cheap. Um, I just don't know if that's cheap enough for me for a team that's that's an underdog here. Uh, I do think you see the Bill, the Bills is a pretty popular play, Steelers as well. I'm mostly when I'm looking at defenses, at least for cash games, because interceptions and fumbles specifically are very difficult to predict, right? Um, or they can, again, yeah. those are things that can cluster and it can be it can be one of those things that you can just kind of run hot or run cold. The The only other thing that you can really can kind of control for then is points against. And it's usually a pretty good predictor of just how dominant you're going to be on defense. And so that's really where I try to concentrate. And I'm actually at times, especially like this, willing to pay up a little bit for, God, for teams that are in drastically better situations than other teams like you know and so the teams that fit that mold for me this week are the Steelers and the Bills uh they're just playing teams that are just completely garbage on offense and project to be and and they just project to score no points so that's mostly where I look for cash game defenses I want to see I just want to see that Vegas has their opponent as almost no points and then and then kind of swap them around for for tournaments so you can catch lightning in a bottle so Tags who do you think is the safest defense is it Houston maybe Pittsburgh uh, I'd say Houston is probably the safest for me. Um, they're they're healthy. They did lose AJ Boye this this off season, but Blake Bortles is not going to be asked to throw a whole ton. Um, yeah, Fournette. This this was like literally a hoax. Like Fournette has been okay. They they literally were taking their time with him because if anything happened to Leonard Fournette, this team is in the trash. 
That's that's that there is no lying about that. There's no I mean, the offense it. is already in the trash. This is coming from a Jaguars. But that's fan. your the boy. That's your boy, Blake garbage. Bortles. He's not my boy, man. I just think he's the best starter on the team and he's decent at fantasy football. Oh, no. Anyways. But yeah, the, the Texans are probably the best pick for me. Uh, but I think the Jaguars are a solid play, too. I think this is going to be a defensive struggle. And honestly, I'm going to go against the, the grain here. I think the Jaguars win this game unless Blake Bortles gives it away, which is entirely oh, possible. Oh, yeah, man. Shut out. Entirely possible that, that Blake Bortles throws you know a pick six or two uh and loses them the game but uh i i jj watt being back he's a very disruptive force i think people have forgotten how good he is and uh against an offensive line that's a little inexperienced that has not the greatest talent on it i just don't see that any way they stop Clowney and watt uh even whitney marcellus like merciless i i just don't see it happening so uh the texans are probably about the safe as they come the bill's they're fine, but I don't like them. I don't like them as a team. Like I, they don't have any talent on their team that makes me just like, oh god, I wish I could have this guy on my. They've got a point. bottom ten defense, right? I mean, even if they're going up against the worst offense in football, and I would argue that it's Houston. Um, even if they're going up against the worst offense in football, like why would you start a bottom ten defense? They still might give up 25, 30 points. Oh, I can't. There's uh, there's no chance they give up twenty five, thirty points to the Jets, right? I mean, like uh, like there's. <laughs> okay. I, I gotta just jump in there. I like I'm I'm with you that they're not a great de- that they're not a great defense, but this is I mean the Jets. There's just almost no chance that happens. Uh, I'm with you that it doesn't feel great to start. You know, it's one of those it's one of those things like it's a math problem of how bad does the other team need to be that I'm willing to start a bad defense? Uh, the right. Bills push up against it. They're not a lock for me. Like they're not a lock. <laughs> for me <laughs> by any means you know like another team that fits that mold is the rams right like they're gonna face uh, they're at, the rams actually check a lot of boxes as well too because they're gonna face tolls yeah, good and, point uh that indie offense without i mean clearly you the big it's one of the biggest downgrades you could ever take going from luck to basically anybody <laughs> basically anybody else especially guy uh your backup quarterback if they get into a situation where they start running downhill with Gurley, and i actually do think that's going to be the case this week uh th- that line shifted like something like eight points when luck <laughs> when like when luck was ruled out amazing um, I think that they kind of check a box for me in terms of not a great defense, but I mean, that Colts team is so garbage. You, you really, how are they going to score, right? How are you going to score against, against an average or even slightly? Right. Uh, so I'm just, I'm, that's, that's the, they kind of fit like that Bills mold for me is like, how bad does the other team need to be to consider playing them? The, the Rams against the Colts kind of, kind of fit it for me. So is there any defense that no one's talking about that could force like a handful of turnovers and get into the end zone? Well, Steelers, but they're being talked about. Like that's okay. That's a pristine matchup too. Like this week, I'm paying up for defense. I yep. looked at the bottom ones, and like you can make a case for the Cardinals, uh, even though they're on the road. That's what I don't like. But they've had a lot of. They, I think they have four new starters on defense. But if Tyron Matt Tyron Matthew is like back to the player that he once was, th- and Buda Baker looks really freaking good. Uh, Patrick Peterson's still there, as far as I know. Uh, there's still some good pieces on this defense, and Matthew Stafford is not like the safest quarterback. His offensive line lost Riley Reef this offseason. You know, I, there's just not there's nothing that really excites me about the Detroit offense against Arizona, which makes me kind of like Arizona defense. If you want to go, that's if you want to go cheap. But I'd much rather my top three plays are Texans, Jaguars, Steelers. You know, I really like to pick on Eli Manning and GPP. And this is another player I'm going to get just blasted on for Twitter. Like all the Giants fans come so hardcore when I talk negative about Eli Manning. But the matter of the fact is some games he is just terrible. Like he could throw three, four, five interceptions against any team in football if he just doesn't show up. And that's what he does sometimes. So I think the Cowboys going to have less than like 0.4% ownership. But there's a chance uh, in GPP that they could go off for 20, 25 points. Yeah, that makes sense. You're just mostly too. you're looking well, he's he's shown enough that he can be erratic and uh and just not figure it out for the course of a game you just want for big upside again you can target defenses that aren't that good especially if they're going to be bad quarterbacks playing catch-up right so like um you know we mentioned some of those teams before the bears kind of fit that mold too against the falcons you know having glennon in a catch-up mode could be just a real disaster for them especially if you if you're looking to um because like they're minus seven right now going on the uh, falcons are on the road but uh if you're forcing a bad inexperienced quarterback with really no weapons at his disposal um to, to play catch-up that is exactly how pick sixes happen right so um, i don't love the falcons defense as a whole but they are in one of those upside situations where you just can force these some of these I mean, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks going week one man um so like uh there's a lot of situations like that but uh the falcons not a great defense but a good situation that's actually not a bad call yeah i like the chargers at denver too 
I like the Falcons call. Actually, Mike Glennon looked like crap this offseason. Um, he is he, crap. Well, he is. I mean, the third preseason game, he looked the best he had. But Atlanta didn't really lose any pieces on their defense. They added to Karis McKinley. Uh, and they get Desmond Trufant back. And he was out for the season last year, um, like around the midway point. So, um, yeah, I think that's actually a good call. I kind of overlooked them. You know, the Jets have a horrible defense, too. Like, their offense is maybe historically bad. Their defense is also, like, bottom oh God, three in after the losing Richardson. But Ugh. Tyrod Taylor was so bad this preseason, plus he's banged up. Like, maybe they yank him early no. and we get Nathan Peterman no. coming in there throwing four or five interceptions. Don't, don't start the Jets. Don't do <laughs> Nathan, Peterman is, Nathan Peterman is worse than Tom Savage. Well, Savage is another guy. I mean, there are just this is what I mean about bad quarterbacks, right? Like when you get a couple injuries and then you just have teams that are in complete flux or just are, you know, kind of rudderless in terms of what they're doing, and especially the quarterback play. There's, we've seen this time and time again in the NFL. There just simply aren't enough good quarterbacks to, for all the teams to have one. Um, and this season is no different. And I actually feel like we're starting week one of this year with even worse quarterback play on some of these teams than in the past. So I think there are a lot of quarterbacks to pick on. Remember when, uh, who did Buffalo start week one? Some undrafted quarterback like Tool or something like that? I don't even remember his name because he just disappeared from the oh, NFL. Oh, was it O'Toole? Um, I don't know. That, that was really bad. It was just a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it is really ugly. These uh, rookie quarterbacks from next year's awesome draft class can't come soon enough. So Tags, why don't you go ahead and give me a kicker really quick? I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Um, that's all we have for today's show. Doug, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, look forward to week one and good luck with all your lineups. Thanks. All right. And for those of you listening at home, that's our last episode of the week. We've got another three coming up next week. We're going to jump into the waiver wire first thing in the week, and then we're going to go rankings and then right back to DFS every single week. That's going to be the way we go. So make sure to tune in, subscribe and review us on iTunes if you haven't already, and get that contest entry in for the signed David Johnson giveaway with pristineauction.com. Thanks again to Pristine Auction and DraftKings, where they've got the billion dollar contest going on for being the sponsor of today's show. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.